You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Oneofus.net and all of the shows on it are 100% subscriber supported. Please consider becoming a subscriber to oneofus.net. Keep the site and all of our great shows going and get some terrific bonus content as well. This movie review also comes for subscribers at Time Lord level or above, an uncut, unedited, longer video version of the review. Become a subscriber and check it out. It's, it's a tale as old as time. You've got a bookish young lady who's outcast from her peers, living with her widowed father in a rural area just on the outskirts of town. She gets swept up in a world she never imagined when another outcast, a, a feared, despised, beast-like creature enters her life and she finds herself slowly falling in love with him when his social media persona crosses paths with hers and wait which movie am i talking about here yeah of course you're referring to the dragon and the freckled princess duh yeah in the original japanese it's see ryu to subakaso no hime well done which is written and directed by academy award nominee mamoru hosoda uh, it is a loving homage to slash pseudo remake of Disney's Beauty and the Beast mixed with uh, 2009's Summer Wars, which is incredibly appropriate because he also uh, directed that. Uh, I, of course, am Rose. Get your jokes out now. And with me on this is Mindy. Hello. And note that it is anglicized to Belle as the title as opposed to the Japanese version. Yeah. Yes. And uh, also Luane. Hey, how's it going? What'd you guys think about this one? I, I kind of dug it. it. It fell apart for me a little bit towards the end. <laughs> I, I thought that it went along well enough and had the too many endings problem where you had a big climactic happening and then it kept going with some very dramatic stakes to it that are completely divorced from the fairy tale aspect versus the awkward teen girl romance high school drama stuff and turns into this very realistic very grim circumstance they have to deal with that part it, it kind of lost me i started checking my watch at that <laughs> point but for the most part i thought this was really really cool I, I know if it had come out when i was a gawky teenage girl in high school i would have been all over this because beauty and the beast is one of my favorite disney movies one of my favorite movies period i definitely would have very much related to this if it came out back then <laughs> i think that this movie would have worked better as a series i think one of the problem that you saw with it part of that comes from the fact that every character is actually two characters and each character gets their mm -hmm. own plot line so if you had a lot more time to flesh that out so that they could reconcile their two selves, which is what was supposed to happen at the end, is they reconcile each side of themselves. If they had had more time to do that in like a series, I think it would have worked better. But I, I definitely agree the fairy tale aspect of this film. Although there were certain scenes where it's like, how has Disney not sued you? because of this scene right here like the yeah. ballroom scene is there so were the ballroom so, scene so many shots yeah yeah for those that that don't know this story this young girl 
who is essentially put into the Matrix. <laughs> Matrix. Their, their motto is like Skynet. I don't know how this Matrix thing didn't turn evil as a plot point. That's the sequel. Uh, she's the singer in this this virtual universe as the mysterious Bell, and there's this dude known as the dragon who's this beastly creature who's just everybody hates and so of course she's automatically drawn to him because she has in the real life pdsd from the loss of her mom and so she sees a mm -hmm. wounded soul and goes towards him and that beauty and the beast aspect of it which obviously that's what it's going for um i was really drawn to i actually was like i don't want to go back to the real world. I want to know about Beauty and the Beast. I don't care about your little stupid teen drama. Yeah. Get back to the fantasy. So yeah, I think if they'd had more time to stretch that out so that they could develop each side more so that they have more of the making sense as to why they would come together and reconcile, I think would have worked better. But all in all, it's still a pretty solid film and it's very pretty. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. I was going to bring that up. It is absolutely gorgeous to look at and Hosoda is known for his very fluid very dynamic animation uh, as seen in Summer Wars if anyone's seen that and then I have not seen these but I know them by reputation of how good they, the animation is the Digimon movies uh, apparently those have just extraordinarily gorgeous animation as well so that's definitely this guy's bread and butter and it's it's very much on display here as well yeah, it makes really good use of the CG in this. Belle's makeup design and her costume design throughout this is kind of amazing. She's very pretty. Yeah. Um, and her, her friend, her sort of ally sidekick in this, if you look in the real world, she's got like the Dictionary of Fashion and a bunch of other stuff laying around on the desk. She's clearly her designer and effectively her manager in the in the online world, which is kind of a weird thing, but it kind of works out. I don't know that I needed a series, but I kind of would have liked more of it, at least. Yeah, maybe like a limited a series. series, because there's a lot going on in both worlds that I would like to have spent more time with, because most of the characters we interact with in you, the letter U, which is the, their version of the, <laughs> yeah, well, the, the world they're in. We mostly have human characters, but this place is populated with all kinds of unusual things. And I'd be curious about what's going on with some of them. Yeah, because the and... way you get your avatar is that it essentially scans both your body and your mindset and creates something that's supposed to represent your true self. Which that, that made me wonder, because a lot of people had, you know, like anthropomorphic animals or things that were just not very cute or flattering. And I wonder, if, you know, would, would you get a do-over or something? Because if it was me, if this is a real thing, I would want a more humanoid resembling thing. But if I got this, like, goofy cartoon, half bird, half slug thing or whatever, I'd be like, uh, can I try again? Well, no. <laughs> I mean, that was the whole deal with the beast, that he his his bruises showed up in the fantasy world to reflect mm -hmm. the outer yeah and of course because it's this sort of virtual reality world there's this whole thing about the identity of the beast and right i throw out all these red herrings and stuff well and bell too but i mean like we know but even as a, the viewing audience like who is this thing and they throw out these various red herrings and i'm like it's none <laughs> of these guys um but there's there's one in particular they have this character who shows up in it who's almost like a vigilante justice or justin, justin or whatever the hell his name is and i'm watching him and i'm like he monologues like a villain 
Yeah. I mean, he's he's Gastonic. He Gaston. Yeah, I was going to say, he, he's, he's a loose analog for Gaston, for sure. And so then I was, like, more interested in figuring, like, does it matter who he is? Because there's a couple of people in here that I suspect are this guy. I kept getting sidetracked with it, trying to figure out some of these other secondary characters, knowing they're not going to tell me because it doesn't matter to what the story is that they're telling. Because they have this other celebrity before Belle, uh, Peggy Sue, or whatever, who's like a Joker palette-looking celebrity singer. <laughs> She's like a weird Harley Quinn sort of thing. Kinda, I don't know. yeah. I'm like, okay, there's going to be some sort of competition between them, right? There's going to be a rivalry. I mean, it really does look like Jem and the Misfits put together as two individual figures. So I'm like, all right, let's see what happens. Oh, we're not going to do much with yeah, that Yeah, there's either. a very right. small antagonistic thing where she's like, oh, she's just a croc. And then you don't really see her again until the end where she's like, she's great. Yeah, yeah and, and she's, like, she's eh. able to help kind of turn the tide and, and get a an extra thing going to help yeah. the good guys. And it's like... Oh, I forgot you were here. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of characters kind of dipping in and out of it. I guess that probably lends a little more to Mindy Locks's argument that maybe it should have been a limited series just because it it starts throwing all these threads out, but then doesn't really pick right. up a tie up. And a especially lot in the real world, because it's like I said, the main character, yeah. Susie, she has PTSD due to the death of her mother. That really isn't explored all that much other than she has anxiety as a result. There right. is mm -hmm. a thing about child abuse that's thrown in at the essentially at the very end right. yeah which becomes a big thing but since it wasn't in any of the rest of it it comes out of nowhere you have the popular girl at school and her crush on the weirdo dude then you have Susie's best childhood friend who i thought those people would feature more in the fantasy world and they didn't yeah. as well as like this choir yeah. that Susie's a part of of old women yeah, who apparently know something but what do they know right. you never find out and like I said I thought they were going to have more of an impact in the fantasy world but they didn't they were just kind of yeah. there and they were really important topics they have right. a lot of weight to them and then they just kind of they kind of set up a mystery of who is the beast, and that, that is something that the format lends itself very well to, since this isn't actually a literal beast as in the Disney movie. Yeah, it's a perfect setup of which one of these many, many interesting, somewhat well-developed, that varies, but characters that you get to know very well right away. Which one of them is going to be the beast? And you think, oh, it's going to be the aloof, mysterious childhood friend, or th that's who it would normally be, but it could be any of them, because they all have interesting stories that you find out, and it doesn't quite pay off like that without spoiling too much and it's just like oh and then Wayne and I were talking about this before we started recording that it, it could be due to just a cultural difference in how that kind of story is told up in Japan versus here um, but that was the part that kind of threw me off is that they had such a great setup for that kind of story and it just didn't quite go the way I was expecting but that's not necessarily a negative but it did throw me off a little bit yeah, it was odd. And I watched this with the two youngest kids and the third act 
and how that almost comes out of nowhere left one of them in tears. They were just mm-hmm. caught completely off guard because they weren't expecting this significant change in the tone of what was like. Again, like if this had been seeded through it, I think it might have been a little different. Or if you were able to work into it, that it just sort of kaboom, here's this third act. It's not even a twist. This third act event. And it's like, well, that's terrifying to watch now. And this is a very different movie. So that was a little weird because up to this point, they both just loved it. You know, it looks fantastic. They both enjoyed the music. The music doesn't really do much for me, but they both just loved it. Of course, they loved the look of it. it's J-pop. You either like J-pop or you don't. Right. And, you know, our middle child is in the older of the two that we're watching. It is is in a fashion design program. She's like, I recognize that book. Like, that's an actual book. I, I and was going to say, the- yeah, a lot of those books on the friend's desk are actual design books. Right. So I was impressed by that. And so then there was whole discussions about that. Right. So it's like this whole fantasy thing. And then reality comes crashing in in that last part. And it's like, well, that's a distressing change. <laughs> and I don't know that I'm necessarily pleased by this either. But yeah, yeah it in the end, I think it's pretty good. Oh, yeah. You know, overall, I think there are things that just don't work for me narratively. And I don't know how much of that is cultural and how much of that is just the way it works out. Right. I have begun to come around on, on Mindy's position that maybe this <laughs> would have worked a little better had there been more to it. To sort of even out what's going on. Yeah, I think in the end, it's it's still good. I would encourage people to watch it. You just have to watch. You have to be prepared for that last third, I guess. Except that it resolves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't ask questions. It just does. <sighs> just it just, just go does. with it. It's fine. Shh, yeah, shh, it's fine. Pretty colors. Pretty much covers it, though. I don't know where else to yeah, go. Yeah, I was going to say, it's... it sounds like we should get into final thoughts here. Wayne, is, that, is there any more? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess that's, that's pretty much it. Like, I mean, it's fine. If you like anime, you're probably going to like this. If you like J-pop anime, you'll definitely like this. If you just like looking at really amazing CG, this is definitely a, a, a place for that as well. In the end, I think this is probably... Th- Three out of five gigantic whale stages. <laughs> Mindy? Ultimately, I did enjoy this, but as we mentioned, the main issues with it are its lack of resolutions. It brings up so many topics and so many different plot points that are interesting and have a lot of weight. But ultimately, when it gets to that third act, it's just like, well, now we have to finish it. <laughs> And so a lot of the resolutions feel like they come out of nowhere or they just aren't. Also, the fact that the first two acts have been more focused on the fantasy world to have it jump back into the reality without this connector between the two, really. It's like, but I want to know about the fantasy. This is all blue and gray. I don't like that. I want the pinks and the flowers and the mythical creatures. But ultimately, it's still an interesting story. Uh, And I am the type of person who really loves different adaptations of things like fairy tales. I love when somebody takes something that's in the common domain and does something with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I love it when people do that. So I loved things where it's like, okay, I see the base and you've done something new and interesting with it, which this one does. The fantasy world in particular is gorgeous, which makes the real world so much more drab. 
Yeah, because it, it's set in just like a boring suburb. Yeah, it's just like I mean, this it's boring like suburb. Beautiful Japanese locales. It's just normal houses and a train and station. And everybody has their <laughs> uniforms. It's all like blue and gray. But then you get in the mm. fantasy world of pinks and flowers and, and reds and blues. It's gorgeous. It, it is really solid, but it would have worked better as a series with more time to connect the real world and the fantasy. I'm going to give it 3.5 out of 5 copyright infringements for Disney. Because seriously, some of those scenes were like shot for shot from Tale as Old as Time. Like the chandelier shot, that was so... That was like exact. There were a, a generous handful of, of not just the ballroom scene, but lots and lots of other shots and poses and facial reactions like, and things that are just straight up dead ass from oh, the yeah, Disney movie, she, like one to one. She goes into a room, <laughs> there is a broken picture, the beast yells at her, she runs out, He. it's a shot on the beast where he then puts his hand on his face yeah, as though he's he like, shudders. I'm an idiot. That was shot for shot, Disney. That is exactly the sequence of that film without the rose. <laughs> I am waiting for the YouTube supercut, the side-by-side -side comparison. Somebody will eventually do for this movie and Beauty and the Beast to highlight all this. And then the next scene was essentially the wolf chase. That's why I draw the line at calling it a ripoff, because that's really harsh and not what I want to get across. But there is homage, and then there is just straight up lifting some of these things from it. Like, obviously, Beauty and the Beast, the, the fairy tale is public domain and the Disney version, yeah, you can do a very heavily inspired by that thing. But yeah, when you get down to some of those animation shots, like the directorial choices that were made in the Disney version that are just completely recreated in this one, it's like, ah, all right. Um, but I, I say all that to say this, this is still a very engaging movie. I mean, I liked it once I caught what was going on. I guess when I saw the trailer, I was just kind of like sleep deprived. <laughs> like I didn't immediately pick up on what this was. So I, when I started watching it, I had those initial moments of, oh, huh, I too have seen Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> and the more I got into it, I was like, oh, okay, they we're doing, uh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> um, and then I really started to like it because like I said, I just I absolutely love Beauty and the Beast so much. That third act or that like half act at the end after what would normally be the end of the movie immediately preceding it is a big gear change that, that threw me off and I was kind of bored by it despite the high intensity stakes behind what was going on. But other than that, I yeah, I really liked it. I, I would most certainly watch it again. I would recommend it to anyone who's interested in this kind of thing. Um, Disney fans, animation fans, Japanese animation fans, it's, it's worth a watch for sure. And I would give it six and a half very nervous Disney lawyers out of ten. <laughs> Just wait for his adaptation of Aladdin. <laughs> You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Hi, one of us fans. This is Matt from the Nighthawks podcast. And I'm Trevor of the Nighthawks podcast. You may remember our ASMR appropriate butterscotch baritone voices from several episodes of Screener Squad. And we're here to tell you about the Nighthawks podcast, where you can also find us getting even more granular with the movies. You say it's called the Nighthawks podcast? The Nighthawks podcast. The very same 
Nighthawks podcast that covers new movies, old movies, mainstream blockbusters, and cult classics from Days Gone By. The Nighthawks podcast. That's available on Audible, Spotify, Stitcher, and other fine podcatchers. The Nighthawks podcast is also available at nighthawkspodcast.com. Do you like how we keep saying Nighthawks podcast? Nighthawks podcast. 